Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's episode 22 of Catfish on Ice Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and presented by DraftKings. This is Chad Benton, your host, always joined with you with Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. And we've got an awesome guest with us tonight, and that's our fellow colleague and Predlines contributor, Eli Farmer. So he's got a lot of thoughts uh, coming in on this game. He picked a perfect time to join the Catfish Nice Podcast <laughs> after... <laughs> After that game, so we're going to get all his thoughts. He's got a lot to say about it, if you can't tell by his facial expressions down there. And so we're about to go to him. But we've also got a a full show uh, lined up for you. We're, of course, going to react to the entire uh, Preds Red Wings series because we also got to react to the win on Tuesday night, which was also very exciting. A lot of big things happened in that win. It's hard to remember that after just watching the game we just saw. But we are going to talk about that game as well because we can't gloss over it. We're going to also get into some trade scenarios because we are in trade season and we're, we've are we already talked about some trade scenarios in, in past episodes. We're going to kind of talk about if we're going to trade certain players, what do we want in return? What would be a, a fair a fair offer? What are we expecting? That'll be a, a fun topic to get into. And then we're also going to talk about how we're feeling about UC Soros' future in Nashville because I'm starting to feel like it's starting to get a little worrisome just because mm-hmm. – I get that you ride the hot hand with Pekka tonight, but at the same time, UC Soros is supposed to be your guy right now, and clearly he's not just by not getting some of these starts. And so he's he's in the last year of his contract, and he's going to be a restricted free agent. So we're going to get into that. Uh, again, we're presented by DraftKings. Go get the down, uh, go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code THPN. Get in on some of that money that DraftKings has given out over the last – Nine years, they've given out seven billion dollars in winnings. It's a lot of fun. It's very easy to use the app. You can do daily fantasy. You can do the typical sports gambling that people know about. And right now, the deal we've got going for you is to get the promo code THPN to bet on some basketball. You can turn one dollar into one hundred dollars when you bet on any team to hit a three-point shot in any basketball game this week. Use the promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at 100-1 to odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia. Uh, restrictions do apply. And if once you get those winnings, you'll get them in 25, uh, free bet, $25 free bets, uh, four of those, to come out to that $100. And uh, go to the DraftKings.com Sportsbook app for details on that. And if you do have a gambling problem – Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-WITH-IT or Virginia. Call 888-532-3500. Pretty sure every 30 seconds when you watch a basketball game, someone's draining a three-point shot. So uh, (laughs) I think that's a pretty good deal for a lot of people. So if you haven't got the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use our promo code THPN. Win you a little money and have a little fun. We've already done it. We talked about our our, uh, Hockey Podcast Network daily fantasy contest we got into. Colin got robbed. He almost won the contest. Up until the last game, very close. It can be heartbreaking. At this, it can be heartbreaking as well. But at the same time, it is a lot of fun. So go get that app and use our promo code THPN. So we got Eli Farmer joining the show. He's a Predlines contributor with us, and he's got a lot of thoughts about this game. And we were kind of talking about it in our uh, Predlines group going into the game, and we didn't know how the game was going to work out, of course. But um, he was, he was excited to join the show and just talk about what happened on Tuesday night because that was a very exciting game. A lot of awesome things happened. But now he's got he's going to give us some, uh, what we like to say, spicy thoughts about this game as well. Right. So, uh, so Eli, how about you just start off this really fun segment as we're uh, reacting to what we just saw. The Preds lose 5-2. to two. Okay. Official well, final score. Yeah. my first The first thing I would like to say is the final score does not truly tell – the story of how the game went. No, I absolutely. think if you're just looking at box scores, 
you're not getting the full picture at all. Five to two is not how that game felt. That was actually really a fun game to watch for about 44 minutes or so. Uh, I thought it was very back and forth the first couple of periods. Um, Grandland was showing a lot of hustle early. I thought the Preds had some energy, especially in the first period, uh, which is rare. Um, they gave up kind of a junk goal early. Uh, and usually with the Preds, that means, oh, here we go. Something's about to start snowballing. The bad luck is happening, blah, blah, blah. But they really showed resolve. And that was awesome. Uh, they did the same thing on Tuesday. We'll get into that later. Uh, so they showed resolve. They hung with them. It was two to two. They scored uh, like three minutes into the third and everything was looking up. And then the wheels came off completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure with, uh, I, I think they said on the broadcast that the Preds are actually the best third period team in the entire NHL in terms of scoring. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't mean much. That changed a little bit. Defense. <laughs> yeah, we didn't put up any points and just let a waterfall, just an avalanche of goals happen. Uh, so hopefully they can learn from this, uh, but this did not feel good. All right. Uh, how about you, Rich? Uh, kind of give us your thoughts. I know you came in a little late in the game. You, you didn't get to see all 60 minutes, but um, kind of how did you feel just from what you saw tonight in this in this game tonight? Well, first off, <clears throat> I'm going to take the blame for the loss because I started writing something for Predlines and I wrote it as if they had a three-game winning streak. Oh no! Oh. So um, you just you just you just put yourself out there, Rich. You are at the I, wrath of really, social media now, and yeah. they are. Boo. I really coming apologize. After you. So yeah, oh, so man. I watched the I watched the third period, and you know it was not glorious, as they always like to say their third periods are glorious. But, uh, I, you know, they let Pekka let in that other, another fluky goal. And then, like Eli said, the wheels just kind of fell off and they just couldn't get anything back. And he then wasn't, the empty and but, uh, yeah. But Pekka also wasn't his sharpest tonight either, I don't think. No, like, it was I mean, not. Yeah. That, it's, that, it's, that, goal, that goal to make it three to two was one where I just felt like he got handcuffed a little bit and he kind of like. Right. It wasn't like a like none of the goals the Red Wings scored tonight were what you would call highlight real goals no. at all. But they all count the same. They all count the same. Uh, count Colin, the same. what about you? Yeah, I mean, I saw you know Preds Twitter, Preds Twitter, but a lot of people were calling for you know why are we putting Peck in you know for two nights in a row? And it's like, listen, he played great on Tuesday night. I mean, tonight yeah. was not a good night, but I think part of it were they fluky goals. Yeah, I think part of it is just that we let them stay too much in the ozone, like. The, on Tuesday night, I think the difference between Tuesday night and, and tonight was the fact that we could clear the zone uh, pretty quickly, and we really maintained possession very well. Tonight, we didn't do a good job of possession. We let them hang around the offensive zone way too long, and then that creates chances. And so, you know, even even down low, I mean, there's they were allowed way too close to our net weights for way too much time, and it, it turned into points. And so that was kind of their, their tail of the tape. We had a lot of chances, though. I mean, there were some chances with uh, Forsberg where he – I mean, he nearly like by inches missed the uh, the go ahead, and so we if we were up, you know, if we went up three two, I think we we're telling a different story. I think the team's playing with a different energy, but yeah. um, you know, it's just it's one of those things where we just couldn't. We had the shots on net tonight. I think that was you know, or shots on goal, but just couldn't turn it into points. So uh, frustrating. Offense is still limited, and that's not really changed right. too much. Right before uh, right before the Red Wings took the lead three two, there was that sequence where uh, the net was wide open. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it kind of got like tapped in and it just barely missed that net. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember who tapped that. If one of you guys can help me out on that, who who it, had that it, tip in? It was Forsberg. It was Forsberg, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that right the one you're talking about, Colin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like just off. And and you gotta want you know, you've always got to ask yourself if the Preds are the ones that take the three two lead, maybe they play their style differently. Because hey, the mm-hmm. Red Wings are not an offensively gifted team. Like Eli said, the box score is going to throw you off there, but it wasn't an offensive type of game for the Red Wings by any means. If you, Maybe if the Preds go up 3-2, maybe they tighten up their defense and they figure out a way to get two points. But I got to say this, even if the Preds got two points tonight, I still don't think anything would have changed my opinion on this team. They are who they are. I mean, just how they're, how they're playing against the Red Wings, it just tells me that they're not – you really you can't put them out of a class of what the Red Wings are in right now, and I think that things are gonna. I think we're really about to kind of come down to 
what this team really is, and it's not going to be pretty when this well, these next couple weeks come up. You start playing Florida more often. You start playing Tampa Bay again. We already know Tampa Bay. Oh my gosh! Like, and we got we still got to play Chicago's on the up and up. I mean, yeah, we're playing the Red Wings and even Columbus. Like we're doing, we we've proven we can match up well with Columbus, but. Hey, we're about to play some teams that we've already shown we can't match up with this season. So I just well, there's nothing that gives me any more confidence in this team, even after the Preds had such a exciting win on Tuesday. Eli, kind of talk about the game, what you saw from Tuesday, and what maybe what 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 changed in, on tonight's game. So I it the Preds just controlled everything super well on Tuesday. Um, they let in shots, they let in hits, they let in faceoffs one. Uh, they had fewer penalty minutes, and they turned the puck over less than half as much as the Red Wings. They were just very controlled. And so what Colin said earlier about how uh, during this game, the Red Wings just like were able to transition from defense to offense very quickly, I think that's like one of the main things that the Predators are lacking. It seems like we lack chemistry. Like everything that the Preds try to do takes more effort than it does for most of the teams we're playing. Uh, I don't know if that comes from a coaching perspective, uh, whether that's all the line shuffling or whether we just truly don't have enough talent on the roster. I don't think that's it. Um, But there are a number of issues that are preventing us from really clicking. And Tuesday, we kind of clicked. But for most of this season, as we've seen, the Preds are not clicking, especially for a full 60 minutes. And that really reared its ugly head, especially in the Mm -hmm. third uh, tonight. Yep. Well, sure. and it, it, it's funny you mentioned it, Chad, because I actually crafted the tweet in the third period, and I and I didn't send it. I was about to tweet on the Catfish <laughs> account, but I, I said it, it's good to see that we're hanging in there, but it gives me concern that we're playing Detroit, who is a you know the bottom this close. And mm-hmm. deleted tweet. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay optimistic, and, and you know deleted yeah. it, um, and it didn't pan out. But it, it's just. Yeah, I, speaking to what Eli said, I mean, the lines didn't, you know, change, which is, you know, different from what we've seen. I think it's only happened once before where the lines didn't change. But, yeah, it just seems like the guys just aren't – it's it's a matter of clicking, and it's still bad habits that are showing in the games. Like, when we play that Tuesday night game, it's clean. Tonight's game, we saw bad habits, especially mm-hmm. my biggest one, and, I, and this might offend some people – I got to call RV like the dude, as soon as yeah. he is, as soon as the puck touches his stick, if he's 30 feet out, he's shooting. Like it doesn't matter. He can be further out than that. He's still going to shoot it. And he has open ice in front of him. It's like, dude, you made your bread and butter off of getting close to the net and scoring those nasty goals. Do that. Like you're not a slap. You don't have the slap shot to blow it past these goalies. And he just doesn't, I don't know what it he is. Just, about it. He just doesn't look comfortable in this off. He doesn't look comfortable on this team at all. RV almost looks like he's a prospect out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I hate to say that, but he looks like he hasn't. He looks like he's not an NHL veteran out there. Like he's just skating in no man's land. Uh, a lot of times he's struggling to even hold control of the puck. I mean, yeah, yeah. It just it RV looks nothing like what he looked like before last season. Ever since the injury, yeah, I, ever, I think ever, it's, you know, I think Bertuzzo. I think it's right. the veneers. That's just me. I think take, take the veneers out. He'll be back in balance. Yeah, I think so too. I, you know what else? I think they all need haircuts. I think that's <laughs> oh, gosh. Every one of those dudes. Yossi's got his hair flowing, man. Yeah. yeah Yossi's out there like looking like he's well, ready to be on the beach like surfing somewhere. Like he's <laughs> Yossi's got that hair flowing, man. He did have that I one nice enough, So I'm a little jealous because, I mean, yeah. I'll never be like that. But um, – <laughs> He did have yeah, that one nice move where he carried the puck all the way up the ice yeah, and it, tried to get a shot. He, he, I want to see more. I want to see more of that from him. I mean, I think he needs to like. But, he, but hockey's just gear. not that type of sport. It's not like basketball where you can go one on one, isolate your man. Uh-huh. But yeah, but what what makes Yossi such an incredible player is he can do that occasionally. Okay. He got in okay. a little too tight on Bernier. They mentioned yeah. that on the broadcast, and I totally agree. He got in just a little too tight. And it was he almost made the save easier for Bernier by getting in as close as he did. But it was an incredible move. He but like I'm not even surprised when I see that anymore. Yossi does that. He's done that so many times, and I'm almost like, oh yeah, like that's that's Roman Yossi. Not yeah. not, not surprised by that at all. But um I also think real quick, another reason why this loss is crushing is I think there was some optimism. Mm-hmm. It was it was tempered yeah. optimism, it wasn't like yeah. exploding by any means. But we had a little bit of optimism because that Tuesday win, 
was so complete. I mean, you got Tolvin in scoring that big time yep. goal. You had Forsberg scoring. You had Pecorine getting his 59th career shutout. He was he saw that smile on Pecorine's face that everyone loves. And it was just like it was like all these perfect things happened. And uh, the great third period they had in that game. And it's just like, and it's always sweet when you beat the Red Wings, no matter how bad they are. And so there was just this optimism. I even had it going into this game. I'm like, man, I got some optimism. Like, and then we get to play Columbus again. Like, like we, we, we beat three Columbus three out of four times. I'm like, man, we might be able to build a little bit of a winning streak here, a little modest winning streak. And I mean, it comes crashing down, you know? Yeah. We thought, we thought, had some optimism, you know, that they were finally turning the corner, but they apparently have not turned the corner. So next up, you know, they they do play Columbus twice, but then after that, March starts a gauntlet for them. So they got Carolina and then Florida twice, Dallas, Carolina twice, Tampa Bay. So it just – I think that we're just delaying the inevitable and we just need to enjoy these games and just take it for what it is because I just don't think that – it's going to look the same next next season. <laughs> no, I mean, it might not look the same in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a matter of weeks. Kind of like we were talking about in one of the earlier yeah. episodes about the soft deadline, like the hard deadline is April twelfth. But realistically, if teams want to get guys in before then and give them you know two weeks to get acclimated and get through the COVID protocol, there's probably going to be a soft deadline before that. So that's going to be something to watch for. But you know, looking at the at the two games we have ahead of us, they are Bridgestone, but it's back to backs. So it's uh, Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday. So we'll see. We'll see UC at one point or another, but we've never had looking at our schedule. We've never had more than a two game win streak, and that's that's brutal compared to the last few seasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Eli, how do you feel about Ryan Johansson uh, since he's been reinserted into the lineup? He's in the <laughs> he's in the bottom six. That's, yeah, that's kind of like a touchy subject there. Like a lot of people think he should still be in the top six. Yeah, I think they might be working him back in. I Clearly, he's been struggling this whole year, so I think maybe they're trying to get him uh, more limited playing time so he can maybe maximize his efficiency on the ice. I really don't know. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not yeah. coach. I don't, I, frankly, I don't know what Coach Hines is thinking uh, some of the time, uh, <laughs> but that would be my reasoning. I think uh, maybe getting him with, uh, you know, Cousins is a big dude. Uh, and Joey's a really like physical player as well. I think pairing them with Tolvanen, uh, who's kind of an electric player, maybe they can just like establish themselves on the ice and try and like just get some positive ice time, not even necessarily score goals, but just do something good. Uh, just get back into rhythm on the ice. Uh, but so far, I don't know. I Joey's been all but invisible to me. Yeah. Sadly uh, enough. Oh, I want to highlight one of our, our Twitter followers on Predlines that uh, replied to the Predlines. I think, Chad, I'm not sure if you tweeted this one, but they were like, how do we feel about, you know, uh, Ryan Johansson being on the third line? One of our followers said, I prefer him on the fourth line and skating on the sun, on the surface yeah. of the sun. Yeah. Like, she, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. She, uh, yeah. Let, let's get her, uh, let's People get her Twitter feel handle, give her some yeah. love there. She, yeah, she puts out a lot of stuff, a good stuff on Twitter. She's a really good follow, by the way. She puts a lot of funny stuff out there. Um, yeah. At NHL Crisis is her Twitter handle. Uh, Bailey's in a shoe <laughs> is her name right now. She changes her name up a lot, but she's a really good uh, Preds fan. She puts a lot of funny stuff out there. And, yeah, she uh, went out there and basically said he needs to be on the surface of the sun. Um, <laughs> I uh, I responded and said, let's reconsider our options and leave him on the third line for now. And then we'll, we'll, we'll reconvene later and see if maybe <laughs> – Maybe your suggestion is worthy. If we can't I, find I, a trade partner, if we can't find a trade partner, we can consider the surface of the sun. Yeah, That's like if, we, if, we had, if, if we had had this person on the show right now, they would probably be even closer to saying, "Let's go ahead and put him on the sun after <laughs> this past game." But um, yeah, we yeah appreciated that response for sure. <laughs> real quick, real quick, Chad, we have uh, um, somebody listening to us live right now. His name's Mike. Twitter, I think, is his his name, and he we were talking okay. about Yosi. And he said, "Yeah, Yossi can go video game mode, and that's oh yeah, that's, that's awesome. I totally thank agree. You. He thank looks you, like Mike, a video for, game. Yeah, thank you, Mike, for responding or for giving us. Yeah, a comment. that's awesome. And that 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 person is totally correct in that. Roman Yossi yep. makes it look like a video game sometimes. Like you, he does stuff that I definitely don't even with uh, with an Xbox controller. I probably still don't know how to do. But I'm no, also not good at Xbox. But either way, um, he does <laughs> yeah. do he does do stuff like that. That's that's mm-hmm. that's crazy." 
for sure. But he can't do it on his own. That's the problem. Hockey is a sport where, I mean, you can score some flashy goals every now and then like that, but you need a team around you. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. Um, I think Catfish Jake uh, mentioned this when we had an interview with him, talking about how we're wasting some of these players' best years right now. Yeah, I mean – And Roman Yossi's definitely one of them. Yeah. Josie, I think at Forsberg is 26 right now. I mean, there's there's not more of a prime age for him to be a point of per game player, and so it's like, man, I the thought of losing him is crazy. But even just the fact that he's 26 and he's not being he's not a contender right now, and he's doing what he's doing is frustrating. Um, you know, I think that there's there's a few other players. People are saying Duchesne and Johansson are, are in you know the prime of their early their career too, and they're a little bit older, 29, 30, but you know they still have a lot of years left, but. You know, there's Rocco Gamaldi who's relatively young. I think he's in 26, 27 range. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 tough. I think that you know we're not going to really see a contender until someone like maybe Tolvanen is in his prime. You know, in that 26 age range. Um, but you know, realistically, if we're in a rebuild phase, it's going to be two or three years. So that's that's about that time when he'll, he's going to start getting to that age and getting to you know that production. But yeah, it's just frustrating seeing some of these guys waste when we know we know we have if we have talent there. It's there. I think it's a combination thing, kind of like what Eli was saying about the the line combos. But we should have the talent to be more competitive than we are. I I would absolutely agree. I don't I don't think we have the most talented roster in the NHL by any means, but we do have a very talented roster. Uh, a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things really well. I think it's going to come down to though, in regards to what the Preds are now and what they want to be over the next few weeks regarding like trade deadlines and things like that, but also over the next couple of years, like do you want to commit to a full rebuild and just ship basically everyone except for like Forsberg and Yossi? Or do you think we're only a couple of pieces away from really like turning something around? I think it's going to be based purely in like what kind of identity do you want to have as the national predators? Like right now, if you had to describe like, what kind of team are the Predators? Are they, like, a big physical team? They play lockdown defense. Do they score a lot? Do they put on highlight reel plays? Do they do any of those things? No, they're just, like, a team right now. And I think once the Predators, and especially Coach Hines, commit to saying, like, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do well. And then you can go from there and go and get the guys that are required to make that happen. I, I think we're going to be caught in this limbo unless something like that happens. They need a culture shift. The, the thing that scares me is what I've kind of been in the school of thought of, okay, maybe Hines isn't the answer, especially if we go into rebuild, is I don't know that he knows what identity he wants. If he did, then we right. probably wouldn't have all these line combinations and the, the what we call the line salad because he would he would lock in, okay, these are the guys that are going to do what I need them to do. And I'm going to stick with that, but there's been no consistency across the board. So as a fan, and even as, you know, for us as writers that watch and live and breathe this, it's like, we have no idea what the identity is and we have no idea what the intention of the identity is as far as right. what Heinz has said, you know, they, they say the hot, the, the coach speak of, we want to be a physical team and we want to be a fast team. We want to be a smart team. Like you're, of course you do. Every coach, I've never heard a coach say, I don't want to be physical. I don't want to be smart. I don't want to be fast. Like, of course you do. But like, what is, what's going to be our bread and butter? What's going to be what we hang our hat on? Well, hey, if, if we're about to see this sell-off that we're kind of about to talk about a little bit when it comes to what we want to see in return for some of these players, but if we're about to see a sell-off and they still keep John Hines as the head coach, we're going to see what he what his identity is because he's going to have players, new players. He still has players that have been here for a while, way before he was ever here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that has to do with it, but I do know that right now, just like Eli said, this there, there's no identity with this team. Mm-hmm. There's very little chemistry. I feel like they don't know – they don't have a good chemistry or bond with each other. Like not – like I know they're friends and they're buddies and they have each other's backs. I'm not saying that. I'm not inside the locker room. But I'm saying just on the ice, I don't see the chemistry that it takes to be a successful team. Yeah. Well, right I, I think it kind of goes back to the part that we talked about with P.K. Subban and what he brought in terms of intangibles. Like there's not that guy that really – energizes the team in a sense and in an emotional sense. I mean, Yossi, I think is a very good captain. I think he's a great leader by example, but in terms of like getting the energy up, we have, you know, Borowiecki who kind of, he's the agitator a little bit and can kind of, you know, defend the guys. Even Harper kind of showed that tonight a little bit when he got <laughs> he the did, guy. Yeah. 
Um, but really, like, we don't have the guy that's not that's going to be a different kind of playmaker in terms of what they bring emotionally to the team. And there just doesn't seem to be that. There seems to be a, a void in that kind of leadership because the guys just don't respond. I mean, they it's so easy to see them get dejected, and we we. we it's almost like clockwork. Like we see them get down by one goal in the third period. And we're like, Oh, well, here we go. Because like, there's nobody that can really turn it around before, you know, a couple of years ago when we had someone like PK Subban, it was like, all right, Craig Smith. Craig Smith yeah. Craig Smith was, I mean, yep. even, even Colin Wilson back in the day, like you're like, okay, we might be down, but we're not out. Like there's still a chance. And this team just doesn't have that. You see how deflated it becomes and no player has really stepped up. So I think that, you know, if we make a trade, and we'll get into this conversation a little bit, but if you make a trade, I would say look to get, you know, one of those players that can be a locker room guy that can really fire the team up when it seems like it's down and really kind of pick up their spirits yep. a little bit to try to get them back in the game. I think Poyle was counting on. Right, so this is. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Jay. no, finish your thought, Rich. Well, I was just going to say, I think Poyle was just counting on, you know, guys like, Duchesne and, and Forsberg and Arvidsson, these guys, well, Forsberg's having a good season, but just counting on these guys that they, they would be the spark for the team. And it's just not gelling. It's if anything, it's worse than it was last year. So they're just not yeah. gelling together. And that's what he was counting on. And it's just not panning out. And then the support mm-hmm. players that he's bringing in, they're not really helping matters much either. So nope. I think, I think we're going to see, oh. see the sell off. So, so. So the Preds, uh, the Preds lose this game five to two. They're now eight, eleven, and zero on the season. They've uh, now split four games with the Red Wings. If that doesn't make you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit, then uh, I don't know what will. Ooh. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, it's the only way that they're going to turn this around is if they have a lot of um, upsets over really good teams in their back pocket that we don't see coming. Um, until that happens, uh, yeah. So. Um, that's just where we find ourselves at. But we knew that we were getting into this when we saw this all-division schedule. Um, and it's a little bit worse than what we thought it was, obviously, because a lot of us on the show thought that the Preds would at least battle for the fourth spot, maybe finish in fifth if they felt short. But they're not even looking like they're a fifth-place team anywhere close. Mm-hmm. So, um, Eli, thanks for joining the show, man. We will have you on on a future episode. Hopefully we will talk about a much, much better game. Uh, I, I guess we need. I guess we need to invite you. We'll invite you the next time we react to a Columbus Blue Jackets game because apparently the Preds know how to play the Blue Jackets well. Yes. Yeah, uh, they tend to stack up a little better. But uh, yeah, Chad, thanks for having me, Rich and Collins. Great to yes. see you guys. You too, you guys uh, too. And uh, Eli Farmer, he Eli Farmer, he's with us on Predlines.com. So go follow him on Twitter. And we are going to go now to the next segment, which is. Talking about UC Soros. Mm. And the big thing with UC Soros right now is how concerned should we be about his future? Because we expected Soros to be the starter and Pecorine to be the backup. Now, things change. I'm not against what they did tonight starting. No. Uh, no. Starting. Yeah. I mean, it was understood. It, it made sense. You ride. You always ride the hot goaltender, and, and Pecorine has been locked in, not just from Tuesday's win when he had the shutout, but leading up to that, he's been he's been playing very well. He's been playing better than Soros. But yeah. be that as as it may, a lot of people were kind of thrown off, including myself, that Soros didn't uh, didn't get the start. Just being like you, kind of expected Soros to probably start, but Pecorine got the start. He wasn't his sharpest tonight. So now we got to start really thinking like into next season. If we're thinking about a rebuild, like we're all talking about, obviously you got to know what goaltender you're going forward with. And you've got Pecorine who might be retiring. We really don't know what his future holds. And then you've got, you've got Soros. Who's also going to have to be re-signed. So I don't know, uh, Colin, you want to start it off, start it off here on kind of like how you're feeling about Soros and his future on the Preds. It's a weird spot to be in because, you know, he hasn't started for a couple of weeks here. And so that's one piece of it is that, you know, for a goal, I think, I think momentum is kind of helpful in terms of, you know, he's, he's played spot duty before and every goal kind of starts out like that in their career. Um, but really he transitioned into more of a consistent, you know, you know, we game to game goalie for us. And so he's not been in that spot. He's been out for a couple of weeks and, you know, you hope that he is still sharp. I mean, obviously he's playing, you know, and he's getting plenty of practice, but, 
with this offense, who knows what that actually does to test him. Um, but it, it's just it's concerning for the the contract reasons because, like you said, he's he's up after you know after this, and so it's like, are we really in turn? Are we interested in the long term investment? And at the same time, you have the news that Pecorine is one of those players that was named as an untouchable. Um, you know, he does have a 10 team, no trade clause. So that's something interesting to add, but Peck is getting you know, ready for his contract to kind of go up a little bit. And he might take, I wouldn't say he would take a hometown discount to continue. If we want to just continue to see like, okay, let's let Pekka, let's ride out with Pekka until Askarov is ready or until, you know, someone else is ready. Um, but you know, with that, it's one of those things where we're still probably going to overpay for Pekka because he's Pekka and, you know, yeah. the other teams will probably, would probably pay less, uh, but we'll probably keep him here just because of who he is. And I, and I don't necessarily hate that. I think give it for a lot of the early years when he was playing at his prime, he wasn't making nearly what he deserved. And so I can give a little respect to that. Uh, we're not going to be a cap team probably for the next couple of years while we're trying to work on this rebuild, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, yeah. but it's just one of those things where, you wish you had more answers than questions. Right now, we're not there. We're not in that, in that no, spot. I'm close. I'm close. Rich, what's your thoughts on it? Do you see Soros? Okay, let me frame it this way. I'm asking you right now. You guys say yes or no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to put you in that box. You're fine. Does is Soros? You see Soros, the day one starter to open the 2021-22 season. I don't see how he could be. <laughs> really, Ooh. and it, and that's. I expected you to go the other way on that one. Man, I thought you were going to say yes. It, it hurts me to say it, but Man. I wrote an article in the offseason about how Ugh. Soros needed to step up this season and prove that he was going to be the franchise goaltender and how he needed to. And this was before they signed Askarov and everything and the and that the job was his, you know, to take. And, and he needed to just come out of the gate, you know, firing on all cylinders. And unfortunately, the team in front of him is still not good. And he was left out, you know, hung out to dry a couple of times, but. He's also let in some goals that he should have stopped and, mm-hmm. you know, he's been pulled or whatever. And I I just think next season they're going to have a problem until they can yeah. get Askarov in here. I just think they're going to. I, I don't know where his confidence level is right now. I really yeah, don't. I mean, and that's not, that's not me trying to like be overly critical of him or saying he's not a tough nosed player or I could be completely wrong in how I'm reading this, but the guys had some horrible luck around him. It's yes. not out of his control. Right. He, he, he he's following a legend in Pecorine, who Pecorine mm-hmm. has always been there for them and been an awesome mentor. Um, we put it out on the on the podcast right after the game, and all the credit goes to John Glennon of who covers the Preds uh, for Broadway Sports, and he asked an awesome question. We put it on our Twitter feed. Go go back and find it. Uh, basically, asking uh, Pecorine kind of like. He asked him about the shutout and how that felt. He asked him how he was feeling going into the season, all that stuff. And basically, Pecorine put his genuine thoughts out there like he always does and talked about how much of an honor it has been to work Mm -hmm. alongside UC Soros. He's not sure what's going to happen next season, going into next season. Uh, He wasn't even sure what to think about this season going into it. You know, completely humble Pecorine like we already know about him. But there just wasn't any answers, really. He left a very cryptic answer uh, as far as what Pecorine's future holds and yeah. also kind of being the mentor for UC Soros for these last couple of years. And there's yeah. just – I just – Pekka actually said something to the effect of, I don't know how many more years of this I'm going to have, if this is going to be it or not. And when you start talking like that, I, I don't know. It just makes it sound like this might be it unless they do yeah. – just dump, give him some money, and be like, "Please hang on but for another year." And definitely, I don't think I don't think Pekka's after the money. He could no, be no. after. He's definitely got to be after a Stanley Cup. And if it if a really good, judging by how he's played so far this season, there there are. I think he's upped his stock as far as a team out there wanting him as a backup. Yeah, going well, into think, next season. I think Pekka though, and even the off season, he mentioned he's gotten a different perspective on what his life looks like, especially becoming a father, you know, first time father um, playing as long as he's played in the league. I think it's kind of, you know, he's, he's done everything, but when a Stanley cup and it's like, what are the, what's the likelihood that he's going to be able to, you know, do that outside of Nashville. And even then, I mean, we know how far off those chances are, but realistically mm-hmm. a player of his age and his caliber, I'm sorry that he's realistically, he's not going to a cup contender. So what more does he have to prove? He's a Vesna winning trophy, trophy winning goalie. He's won the president's trophy. Like, Beyond under without you know having the Stanley Cup, like that's the ceiling. And so 
I just I think the realistically it's kind of like the writing's on the wall, and so mm-hmm. if anything, like I said, I think he'll stick it out with the you know with the predators because the predators are just going to pay more. We just know they are because that's just that's how you treat the guy that you know you're going to put right. on your on your on your ring of honor at some point. But at it's the just, same time, it, I, well, and I say I want to say from like an, an analysis standpoint, it's like the reverse of last year. Y'all remember last year when UC Saros um, was playing well and he was getting the starts because Pekka could not get good defense in front of him. And it feels like the opposite this year where, you know, UC, where UC is playing kind of, you know, poorly um, and, and isn't getting any kind of good defense in front of him. And so Peck is getting the starts, but, you know, you see a lot of his games, even when you look at the tape, it's like, does he, are there some bad goals? Yeah. I mean, every goalie has those mm-hmm. nights, but I think more of it has to do with him being higher to dry. Whereas and, the guys just play harder in front of Pekka. And yeah. Sorrow, I mean, Sorrow's finished off last season strong. So we have to see if he's got that, um, coming up for us again this season, maybe he will, yeah. uh, and maybe that'll maybe he can uh, salvage the rest of this season to the point where even if the team as a whole isn't playing well, maybe he can uh, show show the organization something. But I think UC Soros has a lot to work, a lot of work to do, and a lot of proving to do for the rest of this season when he does get starts. Otherwise, I think it's going to be a really tricky off season to figure out what the Preds are going to do with Soros. I don't think they want to lose him necessarily, but you no. can't – you got to wait and see. Pecorine is obviously the wild card in all this. But but I, the Preds, as a, as a fan of the Preds for all these years, it's a weird territory to be in right now to not know what your goaltending situation is because the Preds have always – even before Pecorine, the Preds had great goaltending. Uh, you had Thomas Vacun. You had Mike Dunham as the first goaltender. You had Dan Ellis was a really quality goaltender for a while. You had Chris Mason, who is the uh, analyst for uh, Fox Sports Tennessee. Everyone mm-hmm. knows Chris Mason. I mean, the Preds have always had really high-quality goaltenders, but we're going into some territory here where we might be – this might be turn into a glaring weakness for the team, especially yeah. if Pecorine I mean, d- does decide to retire. The thing, the thing that kind of gives me a little bit of optimism, and obviously we hope that he is doing well through the program, the NHL's rehabilitation program. Mm-hmm. But you know, Connor Ingram, before everything happened, he was one of the best goalies in the AHL in yeah, terms yeah. of he he was he was up there for for some hardware before the season got shut down, and they were you know honestly I think they were like one of the main contenders uh, for the Calder Cup. So it, it's if he comes back and, and he's still in the form, he's still locked in for a couple more years. So that gives me a little bit of hope that you know, maybe Connor Ingram can be that stopgap, that stopgap that we thought he was going to be between, you know, Pekka and Askarov. Cause I mean, Askarov is, he has to be your guy when you draft him at where he was drafted at, you know, eventually like he's got to figure it out, but he's still got a lot of development to go. So maybe Ingram is that guy for us uh, and Ingram and we're seeing a little he bit of Pekka. Um, I mean, you, and you see guys that have, you know, like, Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, the guy has had a, a career, well, not a career, but he's had a fantastic year for Vegas, and he's up there in age. I mean, there, it's not a, it's not possible for Pekka to say you know he could have a good year or at least another good uh, two or three decent two or three years. He's not going to be the Pekka of old, but that just means that we need to play better in front of him. And that's only if he wants to come back and play. He might decide. Yeah. He might. He might very. Really, this is what I honestly see happening most likely with Pekarene. I think it's very likely that he walks away on his own. Mm-hmm. That he says, "Hey, I'm done. I'm at I'm at peace with my NHL career. I've had a great NHL career. I'm ready to go out on my terms." Um, I, I could see that happening more than anything else, honestly. Uh, and then that could leave the Preds in a really bad situation because Pecorine moves on. You don't feel confident in UC Soros, but he's you have to restructure a new contract for him. So what do you do in that situation? You don't feel confident in him. Do you just let him go as a restricted free agent? And then then you have to start looking for these journeymen goaltenders who are out here that are free agents. Like I said, the Preds have not been in that situation in a long time. And we could be heading into that territory. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this season finishes out. Uh, ideally speaking, UC Soros rebounds. He comes into these next few his next few starts and just starts finding some confidence again, which is what he did last season. That's what we're hoping. Happens. Yeah, I think I think since it appears that they are going to be going through the rebuild or whatever, I think they just need to start Soros like a lot for the rest of the season and just to get him that time and just to get him some playing time and just to see what he can do under pressure. Because like I said in March, they've got a gauntlet they're going to run with all these good teams. 
And well, he's going to get Soros situations. Soros is going to get plenty of starts, whether they want to start him or not, because these games are going to get a lot more packed in yeah. coming up to reschedule these games that got rescheduled. Um, he's going to get his action, whether the Preds yeah. want to use him or not. But I yeah. see what you're saying as far as you're basically saying, Rich, let's let, let's flip it around and give Soros the primary, primarily the most of the starts going down the stretch and and move Pekka back to being the backup, even though Pekka is actually playing better. I think so. I mean, if you're if you're going to count on Soros to be your guy next year, he needs yeah. he needs more more time. I and get what you're saying. He hasn't played a fair for, point. When was the last time he played? It's been gosh, when was it? I don't even remember. But I just think that they need to give him, you know, just put him out there and see what he can do. I'm gonna see make if a get out of his uh slump he's in. I'm I'm gonna make a somewhat bold prediction for you guys. Um I think realistically we see UC Saros next year as a starting goaltender in Seattle. Ah. It's I think not that a bad, the way it's looking, it's not a bad prediction at all. He he is one of the best backups in terms of like if you want to say he's a backup, but I I would say it's one A and one B. But he's one of the best secondary goaltenders in the league. You know, if these guys, if the rest of the teams are going to protect their top guy, Saros is the best one available. And not only that, they don't have to use any kind of draft capital or expansion draft capital to get him because he's a free agent. They can sign him straight up. So that's my prediction. Is I think that we're gonna if you want if you love UC Saros. Uh, I wouldn't say go out and get a Kraken jersey with his name on it, but you can consider it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, but if someone went out and did that, that'd be hilarious. That would be. If they so, do it and they want to tweet us, that'd be awesome. We'd love to good, see it. It's a good-looking jersey. It is I, a good-looking jersey. I do like. So it's jersey. looking like the last time Soros played was he, he came into that game when the Preds lost the Red Wings four to two. Soros came in for a little bit in that game. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. That was a pretty game. That was a game I tried to move out of my memory because that was a pretty mm-hmm. ugly game as well. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, Peck has get, been getting most of the starts recently. Yeah. Let's see. Soros. Oh, his last start was when he gave up six goals to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Well, that's, twenty-four saves on thirty yeah. shots. Yeah, that's tough so, too because of who you they were playing against. Exactly. And it, and it really stinks to be talking about this because you know we all want him to succeed or whatever. And, you know, if Pekka does retire and then you've got Saros and he's gone, then, you know, we and we don't know if Connor Ingram, like what his status is going to be. So that leaves I, us with Casimir Cascasuo and whoever they have. I could, the well, no, I think Florida. if it comes down to that, I, I would to say, if it comes down to that, I could see the Preds going out there and getting them a veteran free yeah. agent goaltender. There's plenty of them out there. Yeah, I just always, I was just meaning they don't have anybody like. Oh, coming, up through, coming up through the ranks is what you're yeah. saying. There's I think Connor, I think there's still a lot of hope for Connor Ingram. I do too. I mean, he's like still Colin young said, we hope we hope that he's getting his life together because that's what comes together. You know, it's, that that's all way more important than hockey. Yes, we hope that he's getting healthy. We hope that he is focusing on on all the things that he's battling right now. And he, you know, all of our good vibes and prayers and thoughts go to him right now because that's way yeah. bigger deal than hockey. Yeah. But yeah. but the he's, fingers crossed that he is able to return and he's still a very viable option to be a goaltender mm-hmm. on the NHL level next season for the Nashville Predators. He's still yeah. a very young guy too. I mean, yes. that's the thing. He was, he and the was talent considered... is there. The talent yeah. is there. Connor Ingram is a very, yes, very is. solid goaltender. So Ta- Tampa many... Bay, well, Tampa Bay didn't trade him away because of lack of, yeah. because of lack of talent. Exactly. There were some other reasons. And, and so yeah. it's good to see he's addressing that stuff, but exactly. you know, he, he could, he could be that guy. I mean, mm-hmm. there's always those Jonathan quicks up there, you know, that, that we can sign if we need to, if we're in a tight pinch, but yeah, it's just gonna be interesting because we've been so blessed to have Pekka and even Thomas Vokun and Chris Mason. Like mm-hmm. we've we've just had those. We've been spoiled. We count on. We have here in Nashville. We've been spoiled by great goaltenders, so that's why this is such a weird topic to even talk about. But the Preds are kind of starting to enter those, enter that territory where we might see um, one of those situations where the Preds don't have a set goaltender for a yeah. little bit. They kind of yeah. do have to shuffle some things around and and just throw some random guys out there every now and then because it's just – I just don't know. It's weird. There's a lot that needs to be figured out the rest of the season, but we definitely didn't think going back this – going back around this time last year, can't believe it's already been a year, but that was when uh, Soros uh, had back-to-back shutouts against the Dallas Stars. Yep. It was right before the season pause happened and all that. If you would have asked me a year later that we were talking about UC Soros maybe not being a future of this team, I would have called you – 
I would have called you crazy, but I would have uh, definitely disagreed with you. Yeah. Uh, but that's where we are, and it's a fair topic to discuss. And uh, it sounds like all of us are kind of pretty concerned about and not very confident that Soros has a um, extended future in Nashville. But we'll have to wait and see. If he finishes the season strong, that, that'll obviously change that narrative. Yep. And it'll also help the Preds maybe turn some things around and get some wins. Yep. And so um, let's go into our let's go into our last segment, and it kind of like kind of has to do with uh, UC Soros because he could be traded. We never know. Uh, so let's get, talk about some of these trade scenarios, and let's go ahead and start with Matias Ekholm because he is the top trade piece that everyone's talking about uh, that the Preds are going to try to deal. Ekholm hasn't been playing at all lately. He's been on IR for a while. Seems like forever. Yeah. And so um, we're going to talk about some of these players. We're going to run down a short list of players that are likely to be traded or very well could be traded. And we're going to kind of like talk about, well, what would the team need to get in return? Or what do we expect the team to get in return? And when it comes to Ekholm, for me, I think for sure, if we're dealing off Ekholm, you should be able to get a really solid return for him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yeah. there's a lot of teams that want him in their top four defensemen. I, I that's there there's gotta be at least ten teams out there that would love to have Ekholm the, be very be, interested. There might be a couple of teams that even want him in the top two, the top pair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so um for for me it, it I would need a first round draft pick and one or two really promising prospects. That's where that's my baseline for Ekholm. Do you guys think that's a little bit more than more real that you think I, that's a little unrealistic or I would ask for more, actually. I honestly would say I want a starting player. It doesn't necessarily be able to – it's not going to be of his level of talent, but I'd say a player that can start now, an elite prospect, and a top pick. Okay. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. So one of the teams that I heard mentioned was Boston, was was maybe wanting to look at Ekholm. And I heard the name of Jake DeBrusque being thrown out there a little bit, which wouldn't hurt my feelings any because he's a really good player. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think when you, you know, if you, you give a, like you said, a starter and then, you know, a prospect and a pick or something, I think that's not out of the realm of possibility. And realistically, it depends on like where the team's picking too. So like Boston is going to be probably in that 24 to 30, 30 rounds, 30, you know, 30 right. spots. So realistically, like even like if we were in the, if it was a first round pick, you know, it'd be in the back end of the first round. It was. Second round pick, you might be in the front end. But, you know, that's, that's kind of depends on who you're trading with and who that team is. Another another team I saw mentioned was uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Broad Street Buzz, which is a, a fellow fan-sided uh, NHL site, they cover the Philadelphia Flyers. They put out a pretty interesting article talking about how um, – Ekholm can probably that can definitely if he's on the market he could definitely fetch a couple prospects and a draft pick so that's kind of why I started with that baseline but definitely getting a starter would would be something you would be looking for so, someone who can come in and because I don't think the Preds are they're, they're not going to say this um, they're not going to say this in public but I don't think the Preds are very pleased with their starting lineup right now I think mm-hmm. there's some guys that they're not very pleased with that they're kind of stuck with. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like we said, it's like we said in the last segment, they were counting on these guys to step up and it just hasn't happened this year. I mean, like they were counting on them big time. I mean, yeah. It's like Eric Hollis scored a goal tonight. Great. For the first awesome. time. That's his first goal of the season. Yeah. It's like, he, he's, he's been my most, dis- even after scoring the goal tonight, Eric Hollis has been my most disappointing off season mm-hmm. addition. I would love to get a younger up and coming starter through a trade to replace Eric Holla in the lineup or even Nick Cousins or even I mean I mean it's just these guys these offseason moves he made just that David Poyle made just have brought very little results. I mean even even Condon has had to you know, go through some stuff but at the same time like he's been invisible since January. Yeah. Like it really just, yeah nothing's manifested. I will say though Ben Harper makes me He's not Ekholm, yes. like, but he he makes me feel better about if we had to lose Ekholm mm-hmm. just because he's been playing solid and he's not. We'll see if he sticks around, though. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they throw him back on the taxis. And, and like, there's been a lot of clarification. I realize that you have to shuffle some of these guys back and forth to the taxi squad yeah. uh, for salary cap purses, uh, purposes and stuff, especially with Ellie Tolvanen. But I'm talking more or less like I could see them taking Harper out of the lineup and moving another young guy in that yeah. we don't know a lot about. And it's like none of these guys are getting the chance to really – get comfortable it's like you're just it's like it's like you're giving them these little one game tryouts 
just that's to see how they look. Too, because like you have the situation with Harper where you know he looks good with Fabro too. It's not just that he yeah, looks good yeah. as a as a defenseman, but in terms of the style of play and the way he plays off of Fabro, they make a good pair. And so it's like why? But we we know how they are. They they change the lines on the forwards. They change defensive pairings. They have to. I mean, because you gotta imagine if Ekholm was healthy, he'd be playing instead of Harper. Oh, for sure. But yeah, yeah. Then, then it's my question of like, okay, can we just can we, can we cut Sabisa and just scratch some people and, and have some more consistency? Because I think with a guy like Harper, he needs that consistency, mm-hmm. and he kind of shown that he deserves it. We hasn't hasn't been a liability, hasn't been a quicksand out there, but yeah, it's just. I would definitely, I would definitely pick him over Tenorti. So oh, I would never. I would never. If I had Harper, I would never play Tenorti again. I hate to say that. <laughs> next, pl- next player I got on the list for uh, trade scenarios and someone I could see is definitely trading. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Is Victor Arvidsson? Oh, mm. Yeah, there, there's a team play. out there. There's there's teams out there who would take him and, and find him. a place to put him in. Now, what would be a fair? What would be a fair return from him? Definitely not on the same level as Ekholm. But I, mean, I still what, I think, think that. At one point, I, I would say yes, but not now. I still think that Arvidsson can get you a couple good prospects to um, to push the rebuild, maybe get you a, a late-round draft pick. Um, that's kind of what I'd be looking for. I, 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 I pretty much agree with you. I think a, a decent prospect or two, and then like a third or fourth-round pick. That's Because we got we got to start thinking. If we're going to send, start sending these players off like Arvidsson, who's been in the core for so long, mm-hmm. was part of that Stanley Cup run, if you're gonna start sending these players off, you gotta think. Okay, I don't want to trade him for another player who's past his prime, or yeah. like that's just replacing one right. problem with another. Like I, yeah, if, you're not. I would rather take some young players who have upside. Maybe they have. Maybe they're gonna have some growing pains. Maybe they won't come in here and immediately make an impact. But if you're truly going through a rebuild, I want to acquire assets. Guarantee you the moment that Arvidsson leaves us, he probably gets 50 points in the season. Yep. Don't say that. No, no, no. I, I know, that. I know, I know. Uh, but I want to stockpile assets is what I want to do. If we're truly going to do this rebuild thing. And so I think with Arvidsson, you could get a couple good assets. You could get a couple good prospects. You could keep building that prospect pool that we've talked about that's showing a lot of promise. It's yeah. starting to really improve and look really good. So – I would be okay with that. I would. I would say. I would. It would be tough to see Arvidsson go because we there are yeah. a lot of great memories with Victor Arvidsson, and the yeah. guy's got a great personality. Uh, he's done a lot of good things for this organization, but sometimes it's time to move on. It, he'd be another player that'd be really weird to see in another uniform. But yeah. you give me a couple really good prospects and a draft pick. They don't <laughs> even have to be elite prospects necessarily, but some up and coming, promising prospects. I'll be okay with it. You know who I think has him on the radar. I would be willing to bet Washington Capitals have already done scouting on him. Mm. He, he's Lavi's guy. Lavi got the most it, out of if him. If Arvidsson goes to any of these teams, though, he's not going to be a top six player, most likely. No, he's not. But imagine, not on that if, team. But if he's on the if he's in the Capitals, though, if, they, if that's if you put Arvi on your third or fourth line, you could do a lot worse. So yeah. that's true. Just my thoughts. So Mike Mike Twitter, who was talking to us earlier, he just said he's currently wearing his Arvidsson shirt. Oh man, oh, sorry, man. Mike. All right, sorry, sorry. Mike. Yeah. We could be completely wrong on this, by the way. Yeah, we're not absolutely. saying it's going to happen. We're, we're spitballing here. But yeah. I do think Arvidsson's a, definitely a player. I want to I want to uh, mention this tweet that uh, uh, Jeremy uh, uh, Gover put out, who's covered the Preds for a long time, has a wealth of knowledge. He put out uh, how GM David Poyle told 102.5 the game just a couple days ago that any deals – uh, leading up to the trade deadline would have to come well before the trade deadline, especially if tr- trading with a Canadian team. And that's mm-hmm. quote unquote, it almost defeats the purpose to make a trade. If, if teams wait for the actual deadline. So we kind of right. talked about that in previous episodes, but it's, it's, ma- it's going to make the trade deadline a lot more complicated to dish out some of these players. So the Preds might end up having players. They want to trade, but they just can't find a trade partner yeah. and they end up being stuck with some of these players. So For if, lack of a better term, they're going to be stuck. So if Toronto wants Philip Forsberg, they need to probably do something within the next week or two. No, uh, if Toronto if Toronto wants Philip Forsberg, they can just go ahead and kick rocks and just yeah. well, yeah. he's not for sale. Yeah. I don't know. I heard I heard a rumor that they were thinking about offering up uh, Nylander for, uh, for Forsberg. Uh, I know. It kind of goes back to what Chad's saying though. It's like, do you want yeah. to? 
you want to get these older guys right. that are kind of what are you, yeah what are you really improving on your team by exactly that, there's, yeah there's no point i mean i'm sure they if that's if it's if that's the one for one trade they're talking about hell no no now if no, you want to package Nylander with like a first round pick a pro i mean even then it's like i just yeah. can't see a scenario where you trade forsberg yeah. it would have to be something huge but and and they might have said some other things. I don't even remember where I saw it, but I do remember his name being put in there. And like you said, it's just trading in, you know, it's one player for another, and that doesn't really get you anything. And actually, uh, probably, okay. probably not even a better player. What, all right, what about another one that I could realistically see getting traded is uh, Colton Sissons. Yeah. I think yeah. there's some teams out there who would love to have a Colton Sissons in their bottom six. I, I think that's that's exactly where he would need to be. Is like he's a, he, teams, people have to understand like – Yes, he's played on the second line before, but realistically, he is a bottom six guy. Like teams, and yeah, yeah, teams out there who feel like they're extremely weak on the back end. Teams that might be very, very top heavy. You know, they're looking for that but, opportunistic forward. They're looking for that guy who can hold things together. Because let's be honest, if you most of the time, if you want to go deep in the playoffs, you've got to be solid one through four. Lions one yeah. through four. And so there's some teams out there who probably feel like they're almost there to win a Stanley Cup. But hey. a Colt Sissons would would come in there. And so a play, like Colt Sissons is another player where if we traded him, as long as it's a it's a good it's a return that makes sense for us, mm-hmm. I'd also be okay with it. And I I think it would help the rebuild if we had to if we had to say, Hey, our time's over. Colton Sissons, uh, you were a big part of that Stanley Cup. We're always forever gonna remember the hashtag Sissons scored. In that Stanley Cup, uh, he he'll forever be in that etched in that Preds history book. Uh, but it he's a player I could see definitely getting traded in his Colton Sissons, and I would like to get. I, I think we could get a, a, a starter out of him in return, and maybe even a draft pick out of him. I think we could get. I would say two prospects and one draft pick. Yeah. Um, with with, it, with what he does, and I think part of it's just the intangibles of like what he brings to the ice that doesn't show up on the stat boxes. Yeah. The clutch factor, like the dude, the dude does really well in in certain situations um, when he's needed. I mean, granted, it hasn't happened for us lately, but nobody's clutch. He's a very good. He's now. a very good defensive forward. Yes, he he's he very smart. He's very consistent. Uh, you can always count on him to put valuable minutes on the ice. He he is who he is. He's not a big scorer. Yeah. Uh, early on, it, early on in his career, the team hoped he was gonna going to evolve into a uh, more of a scorer than he became. I will say that that's one thing that never really happened with Colton Sissons is he never became that scorer that a lot of us thought he was going to become. But he 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 evolved his game to where he was valuable in other ways. I would say he's probably a forty-point player if he's on the right if he's in the right system. I mean, it kind of just depends. I think you have to kind of look that's, at almost. That's bold. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'd go but, that far. But I mean, the you thing is, like, I look at what, another team you don't know exactly. Well, and the thing is, I look at what he what he was before Duchesne got here. I mean, we kind of thought, okay, he could be that second line guy that is, mm-hmm. you know, is is the one that sets people up that makes things happen, and. I don't know that they reserves necessarily enough time to see if he would ever become that because then we brought Duchesne in and, you know, obviously other things happened. Craig Smith, you know, has left. And so we just never really seen it. We've never really seen it manifest, but I think that he's got the potential. I mean, he's, he's shown it in, in certain times. Like he's got some, I, I think there's, I think this is, I think we're seeing a, a situation with Colton decisions where I don't think it's the player that's not the, that's the reason that there's no production. I think it's the system. I think Colton Sisson in a different system that's a fair point. could be good. Yeah. So I always I always see Sisson's kind of compare him to like Yarncrock. I always yeah. kind of see those two as kind of interchangeable. They're kind of the same kind of player. You know, you know what you got with them. They're consistent. You know. Yeah. And I, I see Yarncrock probably as another one that could, it's probably going to be. Traded as well. To me, to me, they have the same value. Actually, I exactly. I yeah, I think so too. Do any of you? Uh, do any of you guys see uh, Rocco Grimaldi being a trade piece, or do you think Gosh, he'll be dude. part of the rebuild? This is killing me talking about this. I honestly, and this is nothing against him, but I don't know if there's a market for Rocco. At least not. At least not what we would do. I actually think Rocco's going to stick around. I think he'll I be think part so of the too. rebuild. I think he'll be part of the rebuild. I think he'll be part of setting the culture because he's just very much that tenacity guy that you want yeah. to be a part of. If you're going to change culture, like that's that's a guy that you want setting that culture. But I don't think there's a market for him, honestly. That's just that's kind and, of he, at. and he found his landing spot too. I mean, he found a really good spot here yeah. where he's he's comfortable. He he makes the most of it. He maximizes 
mm-hmm. his potential. For all we know, he could still have his best years ahead of him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put that past him at all. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure his wife Abby's about to release a country album, so you know, yeah. you gotta, it's more yeah, convenient. more convenient to be in wow. Nashville. <laughs> you know, yeah, she's he, not. She doesn't want to leave Nashville. She, she is no. very talented too. She, she is. is very talented. Yeah. Actually, so I have a funny story to talk about that. Completely off topic, but I still have to tell it. <laughs> uh, right before we started our podcast, we hadn't even done our first episode yet. I uh, had the off chance of meeting uh, the Grimaldi, uh Rocco and and Abby's good friends. And I'm not going to mention their names. Honestly, I don't even remember their names. But um, they were really nice people. And they were, at this time, the news hadn't even come out yet. I remember this. When the season was going to start, nothing like that. I always talk hockey with people when I'm at work. I'm a bartender downtown at uh, Rock Bottom Brewery on Broadway in downtown Nashville. And so I'm talking to these. I always talk hockey when I can. If I can tell that they're hockey fans. and, And they told me they're from North Dakota. And so I'm like, talking to him stuff and i'm like yeah man i'm like man normally during preds games you know downtown's crazy we love the preds yada yada yada. and they're like oh yeah that's awesome yeah like we actually uh they kind of like let it slip i think but they're like oh we actually know one of the players on the preds and of course i'm like who do you know who do you know tell me tell me like give me all the details i need to know but i try to i try to stay cool about it and um and they told me they were like oh yeah uh, uh rocco grimaldi and blah 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 and they even mentioned, like, yeah, Rocco just flew down here uh, from North Dakota to get ready for the season. And at that time, no official news had come out nope. on when the season was going to start. I remember you put so, that in a group message, and we were like, oh, really? And then, like, and, two days later, we saw the official yeah. announcement. And, I, yeah. and they even, you know, I knew it was one of those things where it's like, don't blow that up. And don't. And I didn't. I didn't go and tell yeah. everybody, even no. though I wanted to. Yeah. But um, I thought that was cool, and they were really nice people. And so, yeah, the Grimaldis, they, they're, I hear they're just awesome people. And uh, coming here from North Dakota, and she's doing. Uh, his wife Abby is. She's a really talented musician. Go, yeah. go look her up. Her stuff up. She's awesome. Yeah. And the, so, uh, I, it, who, I would, I, I would really hope that Rocco uh, is part of the rebuild. Yeah, me too. He's one of the hardest workers on the team. Oh yeah, I think he, and those are the types. Guys. Of, those are the types of players you're going to want. And yes, exactly. it's those hardworking players. Like yeah. we we're saying, he fits the, the culture and he sets the, you know, he's, he's someone you want to be a part of that cultural change. But also, like, some guys are just franchise guys. Like, you think of them and you're like, okay, they, they're playing in that franchise and I couldn't see them anywhere else. I can't see Rocco for, I don't think there's a market, but I think that just with what the style of play that he plays, the grit, the tenacity, you know, he's a guy that might be a little undersized, but he's not going to let that stop him. Like, that's a yeah. Nashville Predators yeah. hockey player uh-huh. if you ever see yeah. one. So. Yep. And so it's been a little bit of a somber episode 22, but that's the way these things go sometimes. But, hey, we're going to show up to work and give you these episodes, whether the Preds lose every game or they win every game. We're here for you, Preds fans. We appreciate you listening and watching and following along and communicating with us. We're not going anywhere. We're going to stick it out with you, and we're going to be right here when the Preds turn it around because they will eventually turn it around. We don't know when. We don't know how long the rebuild is going to take if the rebuild – if the rebuild does end up happening, but we're going to be here to cover all the biggest topics before we really get out of here for episode 22. We got to mention our uh, Jersey giveaway. Yeah. Oh, yep. So we're part of the hockey podcast network and the hockey podcast network is hosting a Jersey giveaway for all of the podcast and the podcast that gets the most retweets. Uh, this contest started on Monday. It runs until this coming up Monday. So we still have, Three days left. Uh, yeah, around three days left in this contest. And I don't have the leaderboard. I don't know how many, many retweets every podcast has so far. But I will tell you that we're performing pretty well. But we, if you haven't uh, gotten on Twitter yet and followed us, uh, follow. This is all you got to do to win a Preds jersey. Get on Twitter and follow at Catfish Ice. Follow the podcast. Follow the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet. Yep. And – retweet the original post which we'll we'll put it back out there again and uh we're gonna select a, the winning podcast will select a winner to give that jersey to and so make sure you're uh communicate with us on twitter sending us uh, thoughts on how you think the team's doing all that stuff and let's go ahead and win this jersey and the hockey podcast network does plan on doing these contests again in the future so this isn't your only chance to possibly win one of these so we'd love to give out give out free, free stuff does that mean we can't win? Can we not win? 
No, we can't win. We're disqualified. I want a jersey. Great pre-show sure so, can be one of those reverse retros too. So I mean, that's all yeah. easy to get in on it. No, we are we are definitely disqualified from winning. So, uh, but we, th- we've already got some really awesome uh, followers and people who uh, talk with us on the podcast all the time. Yeah. Uh, so just get out there and retweet that. We'd really appreciate that, and hopefully we can get someone a really awesome Preds jersey. Even though the team's struggling, those Preds jerseys are still sharp, and we got to stick with the team here. So it's being a, a true fan's all about, right? Get a Yossi yes, jersey. Sir. He's not going anywhere. Oh, Yossi. Yeah, I would, there's certain players I'd be careful about getting a jersey yeah. of right now. Like, yeah. I probably wouldn't be running out to get a Victor Arvidsson jersey right now. No, no. no. I bought a but, I bought a Staros jersey. I won a gift certificate to, like, Hockey <laughs> Central or something, and I used it and bought a Saros. I was going to get a, an away Rene jersey, but I was like, oh, I was I was no, going to ask you no. if you used your 50 cents in DraftKings winnings last week. For no, that, I, still, uh, Saros I, still jersey. I still have it. it you got your two quarters? Did you put a – you got those two quarters, right? You cashed out. I, I did not cash out. You know what's funny about that? We went to Vegas <laughs> one time, and I don't gamble or anything, but I did put a dollar in a slot machine and won a $10 coin, and I actually nice. went and cashed it out. And the person I cashed it out with looked at me like I was insane. They're like, are you, are you serious right now? They're like, what are you doing? And I was like, like who, who cashes out $10? Yeah, I was like, hey, man, I'm leaving. I'm burn, burn, take your $10 around. and run. Hey, there's burn, a burn the yeah. yeah. All right. All right, so that's going to do it for episode 22 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, brought to you by DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network. Use the promo code THPN if you're not on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Go out there and have fun with the basketball contest we got right now where you can bet on any team winning, uh, making a three-point shot in any basketball game for the rest of this week, and you can go ahead and win $100 worth of betting money on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, Until next time, we appreciate all of you watching and listening, downloading the podcast, rate it, subscribe it, talk to us on Twitter, give us your thoughts. If you ever have topics we want to cover in future episodes – Definitely fire them away at us. We love to talk topics that the fans are interested in. That's what we're here for. So until next time, this is Chad Benton with Rich Howe, like Colin Blue, and you've just listened to episode 22 of the Catfish Nights podcast, and we will see you next week for another episode. So everyone stay safe and take care out there. See ya.